0: Hello. I, I just <laughs> forgot the name of our own podcast. <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> I did. For the entire <laughs> thing. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, which is the name of our podcast that you are currently listening to. <laughs> this is episode 34, and we are your hosts, Grandoms. Ooh.
1: I'm Mr. Craigos. And I'm Miss Melmore. That, she's right. I am right. She's, I thought you were going to say ghost hosts. Because, like, back in the day when I was a ghost host in Disney World, well, I wasn't the ghost host, I was a maid, but, like, wasn't I in my heart? Oh, see, I'm not going to say that because then Disney's going to sue us. Yeah. I didn't say ghost host.
0: Ghost host. It wasn't said. It
1: wasn't said. At at all. Weeped it out.
0: Nothing's, barely anything has been said so far. (laughs) Hello, everyone. (laughs) And welcome back. How, how are you? I'm good. That was directed at you, not them. <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> oh, you're good. Good. I'm good too. Well, well, yes, I think I'm getting sick, but I'm good as of right now in this moment. Because that is also good. Play a drinking game how many times I can say good in the beginning of
1: the podcast. <laughs> oh my god. Because
0: <laughs> we have a lot to talk
1: about tonight. We do.
0: Because okay. this is our It super special. We're going to look at the book. We're going to look at the mini series. We're going to look at the new movie. It's a lot to cover.
1: It is.
0: But before we get to all of it, It. we are going to do our horror headlines. And we got a good one. We got a great one. It's exciting. I guess there's not much to say beyond the headline itself, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got no other information behind. We it. have
0: this very very little information, but it is thrilling nonetheless. What is that information, Miss Mel?
1: It is that Jamie Lee Curtis will be in the new Halloween movie coming out in 2018. That's it. right. Hype.
0: The original final girl, the queen of all the scream queens herself is gracing our screens once again
1: as Lori Strode. In what context? Who's to say? She could be Michael himself. Yeah. <laughs> like that time in Scream 4. They tried to float the idea that Sydney had like lost her mind and gone ghost face. Right. That was a the big theory. Yeah.
0: Yeah, not a whole lot is known beyond that. It was tweeted today by uh, Jason Bloom of Bloomhouse Productions. Uh, sh- we know, well, I-, I don't know, actually. I've heard <laughs> a lot of different things that the new house. Halle- <laughs> don- I'm so sorry. <laughs> you guys. Blame it on the goblin dog. Oh, yeah, what- we
1: had a rough D&D last night.
0: We sure did.
1: I did. I Actually, Craig did pretty okay. I, um...
0: Miss Mel did not really contribute to the group. I didn't group. at all. She didn't get participation points.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> fuck that one right up. Fuck Seven, that one. Several times. Let's
0: um, hope They don't fuck the new Halloween movie. Yeah. I've heard that it might be a re-make.
1: Oh, I've, I've heard, heard, heard that it might be a reboot.
0: <laughs> I've heard that it's a continuation of Halloween yeah. Resurrection, which would be very... Uh, impressive because the Laurie Strode character dies in the beginning of that movie.
1: But okay, again, it, it, massive Mike horror headline. Though. I need to interject with because it's breaking news: Harry Dean Stanton has died <gasps> at the age of ninety-one
0: oh wow i mean yeah. i knew he was old
1: yeah oh my gosh yeah he he has died
0: that's breaking this is this is frontline
1: journalism <laughs> by the time you you hear it you'll
0: you'll have one it'll be
1: old but, but then, yes wow. for us right now wow that's new wow oh my gosh yeah he that's yeah. Very sad. uh he was in everything um but you know a lot of people in the the horror fan community will know him from Twin Peaks, uh, yeah, Green Mile, should... uh, other things.
0: Wow, I knew he was old. I guess I didn't realize he was that
1: old. That's sad.
0: Did it? Was it just it literally, um, oldness?
1: Yeah, I assume it was just oldness. Um, sure. Just... Yeah, it just says he died in the hospital, so I Aww. assume it was like heart failure. Yeah. Wow. Well, kids, there's that horror headline as well.
0: There is another, another twin member of the Twin Peaks family.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: Mm-hmm. It was rough.
1: Wow. But on happier news, we might get to watch Jamie Lee Curtis avoid death yes. for an, the upteenth time.
0: Yeah. Another time.
1: So, to circle back. So, okay. Uh, reboot, there- remake, we don't know. Right. But regardless
0: of what they do, they're going to, like, I mean, <laughs> special effects and makeup only work so well. She's got to be an older Laurie Strode.
1: Because she is an older Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: Yeah. So. hmm
1: Interesting.
0: Maybe, though, maybe if it is a, a direct continuation of Resurrection, she'll pull mm-hmm. what might will pulled. In the beginning of Resurrection. And they'll be like, oh, I faked my death. You know? Yeah. I've seen the H2O Resurrection storyline. She did it once, maybe. I don't know. I guess it's really hard
1: since we literally see her get stabbed. You Um, know, but we've seen a lot of people get stabbed. The picture that they released with this uh, headline is not giving anything away, but it is a sick picture. It's
0: an awesome picture. I
1: think I'm going to make it my... uh,
0: laptop background.
1: It's good old Lors. Lors. No. I'm thinking of now Laurie Strode. Jamie Lee Curtis by herself. (laughs) Not in character, I assume. (laughs) But sure. Maybe she is in character. Maybe she is. Um, (laughs) uh, Standing outside with a Michael watching from the...
0: And a little pumpkin in the... by A little jack-o'-lantern. By her feet.
1: Yeah. By her feeties. Mm -hmm.
0: So yeah. Um I mean I when I, I knew there was another Halloween movie happening, but it was all I didn't really give it a ton of attention. And this yeah. you know, it's kinda like that thing where they're like, There's always the next Friday the thirteenth movie seems to always be in the works, but nothing has ever really gone forward.
1: Yeah.
0: But I guess if they're announcing that she's in it and they're saying they're gonna stick to this date this October nineteenth of next year, then I guess it is really happening.
1: Yeah. Well, you can't put a picture like, like that out and, uh, you know, go back on it. So, we've got to commit. Uh,
0: hopefully it's big. Hopefully it's really good. It'll be 40, it's 40 years since the first Halloween
1: yeah.
0: next year. Yeah. Oh, my God. They must have offered her a buttload of money.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, now that she's not doing Scream Queens...
0: Luckily, that has been cancelled. Yeah.
1: Even though she was Even one though she of the was only one two tolerable the only parts.
0: The good things about screen calls, The
1: other being the Denise Hemville. Yeah. And, and her friend. Um, her good, good friend. Good Before she was stabbed in the face
0: <laughs> by, by the team, Williams. Who is Sadie Williams. <laughs> Sadie Williams. It couldn't have been me. I was here. I was standing was, right
1: next to you when
0: someone else Denise got stabbed. Denise yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just goes, mm-hmm,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was the best bit. <laughs> now, when you call this number, they will direct you further. Yeah. <laughs> it will page me. <laughs> where I
0: will then be able to call the authorities. Can't we just call 911
1: directly? hmm you should call one eight six six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is, you know, this is hopefully going to be a big deal. Hopefully it's not a, a dud. Um, mm-hmm. I'd Let's like see. to think We've, with, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis involved, there's no way that it, you know, she would allow such a thing. But, you know, who knows? For all we know, she could be like a cameo. She might not even be like in it, in it.
0: Yeah. I mean it's I mean we'll see. She's in it which is very good and that's definitely going to elevate it. I mean, uh look at how uh H2O is really great.
1: H2O was surprisingly good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and she wasn't even she was good, kind of more of a side character in that, so.
0: Yeah, so good thing, It's sort of until the end. Yeah. So we know that good things can happen. Um good cuz good things have happened when she's returned to the franchise. Um of course, you don't have carpenter's involvement, and yeah. yeah. Well, or if he is involved, he's not in the director's chair, from what I understand. So, eh, yeah.
1: but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Hopeful. It's nice news,
0: uh, yeah,
1: contrasted against that sad news uh, about Harry Dean Stanton. Stanton. But Aww. other than that, I don't think I have any horror headlines. We know that it broke all sorts of records. I don't care to find them or name them, but. Craig knows some of them.
0: <laughs> uh, line of records. I think it was, um, oh gosh, largest Thursday opening ever, Thursday night. Biggest weekend in September for horror. Now it might just be the biggest weekend in September. Biggest September horror. Um, it was big. Biggest. <laughs> I guess it's, I mean I guess they can't say biggest September box office yet because September's not over but I think it's trending that way possibly or maybe it already passed that record I don't know it, it's it's big it crushed a lot it
1: was a very very
0: strong opening incredibly strong and it's still going strong uh and what's today today's it's, it's a week it's been released for about a week um it's it's made about hundred Something two hundred million, maybe by now. I'm not nice. sure. Yeah, it's killing it, guys. And speaking of killing it, <laughs> killing it, the
1: <laughs> fucking clown. Let's
0: dive right in, everybody. Yeah. Take, a, take a deep breath. <gasps>
1: <sighs> um, we didn't super structure this out. No. So it, for those of you who for some reason don't know, is um, basically Stephen King's uh, getting at what makes a child scared. Um, It's a massive, massive tome of a book um, where he presents these, how many of them are there? Six, seven? Seven. Seven kids um, in this town of Derry. Craig is sampling the book. You can't see it, but I can I'm holding it. I can you can't see it. See
0: it. This um, is, yes. This is the, our new podcast, just, Gestures, Gestures. Where we, just, where we just perform physical comedy for an hour silently.
1: <laughs> you can hear it's it. It's a great idea for a podcast. Um, consider going to our Patreon. To... <laughs> um, but basically, it's about these seven kids in Derry. Is it? Where is it? Ohio? no maine maine i knew that of course i don't know why i said ohio of course it's fucking maine <laughs> stephen king Derry maine although it was filmed in toronto and oshawa ontario um basically who for various reasons are social outcasts bullied have not the best home lives um Our sort of main kid, Billy, his younger brother, Georgie, dies um, pretty suddenly and tragically of, as far as he knows, strange circumstances. Or he disappears, I guess, but he's missing presumed.
0: Depending on which narrative.
1: Yeah. He's missing presumed, and it's been like a year, because now that happened at the beginning of the year, now it's summer. Um... You know, and it's this group of kids who kind of come together because, you know, they're societal outcasts, school outcasts, just don't have the best home lives. Um, they make this loser club, as they call it, losers club. And they all are also connected by this strange reoccurring sort of stalking of a clown. And they go through all these sorts of episodes where they each see the thing that they fear the most, you know, and event and, and it all ends with this strange clown with you know bright as everyone knows you know bright red hair white face the whole Pennywise look um and they realize this thing is real and they start to realize that there's some sort of conspiracy in the town that kids go missing very systemically every 27 years and they theorize whatever this thing is is taking the kids and it lives in the sewers so they eventually after some episodes of um hunting it down, trying to figure it out. They straight up decide to take it on Uh, with the power of love and friendship. They eventually do defeat it in a sense. Um, They force it back into hibernation because it hibernates between its 27 years of feeding. Um, And they promise to come back if it ever comes back. And 27 years later, that's exactly what happens in Chapter 2 as the movies have built themselves. Um where, you know, they all have to come back. And I don't know if I want to give too much away for those of you who've just seen only see the the, the movie, like the part new one. one. Obviously you've seen the miniseries, you know what happens, but if you've just seen the movie and you don't want to know what happens um in part two, I guess we can we can put out a spoiler alert. Um skip ahead yeah. a little bit. Um skip yeah. this bit. We'll um, try to be not
0: We'll try. To, we will try not to be too super, super spoilery.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, which I like to think we do in general. because uh, we don't want to spoil things. Um,
1: spoilers.
0: Yeah, that was a good summary. Thank you, yeah. Miss Mel. That you. was really that hit on all the main points. I would say. Thank you. So. So yeah. So it is very much sort of. Huge Stephen King, right? Like, Banner mm-hmm. King. One of the the big ones, literally, it's an 1,100-page yeah. tome. It's fucking huge. Which I just England. finished reading today for oh, the good second job. time in my life. Yeah, and that was very interesting. Reading it now versus yeah. uh, the first time. Yeah, then. <laughs> which was before... Uh, obviously I had seen the movie, but also before I had read the Dark Tower series.
1: Ooh. So it
0: was fun to see how there were lots of nods and Easter eggs and connections yeah. to Dark Tower this. That's second a whole time. other podcast. <laughs> it sure is. But also what I thought was interesting in rereading the novel this time around, and I don't normally ever reread. There's just so many amazing mm. new books out there that I want to get to that I I tend to limit myself i'm I'm ever going to reread stuff. Um, and I felt rereading it this time that it really needed to be cut like 300 pages down.
1: It's interesting you say this because somebody said the same thing uh, a Goodreads review I was reading about The Stand, like the uncut edition and how it's kind mm-hmm. of evidence that Stephen King really often needs an editor <laughs> to tell yeah. him to to cut things because he has a tendency to just go and go and go and go and no one will stop him cause he's Stephen King. Um, and sometimes, you know, abridged versions are necessary.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't think you would lose anything if you did that with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the stand I love I love the uncut version which he says that's the one everyone should
1: read is the true version. I'm gonna read but, that version, but I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, but it's probably true because I have not reread the stand, and I bet if I if I reread it, I would feel the same way as this reviewer, and that you probably could cut it. Ah, uh, there's a lot in it that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of extraneous, uh, but. It is also, on the other hand, uh, still a fascinating story. It's very well written. It's not as scary as I remember it being the first time I read it.
1: Mm, interesting. Yeah. Although I suppose that makes sense.
0: It does kind of make sense. And even, even the first time I read it, which was in high school... I had, cool, I, Craig was an ambitious high schooler. <laughs> I, had re- I had grown up watching the miniseries. Mm-hmm. You mm. know? And the miniseries is much like the movie. They both sort of do their own things with the novel, but they're still pretty faithful to the novel in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And I don't fault either the miniseries or the movie for changing stuff that they change because, again, it's 1,100 pages. <laughs> And no matter how much time you have on the screen, you cannot adapt everything exactly as is yeah So or it'll be
1: like that 16 hour version of dune that we were supposed to get long ago <laughs> which
0: I would yeah. watch <laughs> yeah um, well exactly
1: what they'd have to do now if they wanted
0: to do a direct adaptation you'd you'd make it like an hBO miniseries yeah and like do, and do it in ten parts, yeah. So, but, I, but again, I don't think that's necessary because the core of the story and I think now that we have two adaptations that are very different from each other and yet very similar confirms this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the core of the story is about childhood and friendship yeah. and memory and fear and how all of those things tie together and you don't need to have sort of one official it. version of yeah. How those
1: events play out. Yeah, so. I agree. Um, yeah, and, like, that's the thing, and, you know, I thought about it as I was watching the movie, because it's, like, it's so much about, like, yes, it's a horror movie, yes, you know, it has obviously these moments of like some horror cliches but it's also like this movie about a bunch of friends in the summer you know like you have all these kids who are given like equal amounts of time to kind of you see their story like where they are in life what their home life is like what struggles they're going through even um henry bowers and like the bullies you get like a sense of like like, Henry Bowers in this one was so much more... I don't want to say sympathetic because he was an asshole, but it was like there was so much more there with, with who he was and why he acted the way he did. And Yeah. Um, and it's really good. Like, you get into these people's lives. It's not just... It's a scary thing um, and watch people react to it. It's, you know, these were real characters and, and all the, you know... W- no matter what, ad- between the two adaptations, everyone, I think, has always done a really good job at having... Uh, Chemistry with each other to to play that out too.
0: I agree, yeah, on all counts. I liked how uh, they put uh, uh, Henry's father into the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's in the book. We see more and understand more of Henry's life in the novel that wasn't really included in the miniseries. He was just sort of an asshole. Yeah, and that can work for what you need him to do. But it's always nice to have more depth, right? It's always nice to have more understanding of your characters, even your minor characters, even your antagonists, like Henry. Mm-hmm. What I wish they had done in the movie is used him better, though.
1: Like, is he is he supposed to be dead at the end? Yeah, when like, they throw him. It down seems the like he
0: broke his neck or, or whatever. Yeah,
1: well, and that's the thing, too, because it's like you have, the the movie sets him up really well as this bully, and it kind of sucks, and you get, you know, you realize that he doesn't have a great home life. Like it, it spends most of the movie setting up a decision that he makes that lasts for maybe about six minutes in the movie, because he shows up, he says he's gonna kill them, and then he just he gets toasted, like, immediately. Yeah. So it was like, the payoff was kind of sudden. Um, yes.
0: Yeah, And I thought they were going to use his, uh, the other bullies, his friends, as, as uh, like cannon fodder for the audience in that scene. Yeah, Because what happens in the miniseries and in the book is that they go, they chase the losers like down into the sewers. They catch them one day near the end of the summer in the bearings and they chase them down in there. And that's why they're in there. And then it ends up killing uh, Belch and Victor. And Henry's driven insane because he sees its true form of yeah. the deadlights. Yeah. But he survives. And Henry is the one who is blamed for all the murders that have occurred that summer. And yeah. he's locked away in an insane asylum. Flash forward 27, 30 years later, it r- breaks him out to once again use him as a vehicle to, a- to attack the Losers Club.
1: Yeah.
0: So I thought it was an interesting choice that the movie seemed to dispatch of him so quickly, yeah. despite giving us this peek into who he is as a character
1: yeah yeah and it's uh, it's interesting too because they kind of by doing that it also sort of took away a bit of the mythology of the deadlights which i think ends up being very important if you want to look at it in the context of like larger king um mythology and like even within this story like what this thing is um and yep. That sort of thing, like, and you see it a bit with Bev when she um, gets trapped by Pennywise, and you know she has this, you know, she sees, you know, which he opens I... his fucking face, and she sees them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she has a vision of the future where they're all back. Um, mm-hmm. So,
0: I was not a
1: fan of that development
0: in the story mm-hmm. for several reasons. Go on. I did not... Not not necessarily Bev seeing the deadlights, because they all sort of glimpse them when they're down there. But I didn't like that Bev was kidnapped as the plot device to get them down there. I
1: hated that. Okay, one, I'm glad you brought that her, up.
0: It, one, it makes her into a damsel in distress, which she most certainly is not.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's very cliche. You know, she's the only girl in the group. All the boys go down there to rescue the girl. Uh, two, the... The whole point of why that confrontation is dangerous to it in the novel and, and even really in the miniseries, if I'm remembering correctly, is that they choose to go down in the sewers yeah. and confront Pennywise because they know that if they don't stop him, stop it, nobody else will. Yeah. And there's a lot of power behind that decision in these children who – Decide Which, to willingly go down there versus being forced to and go it's down. it's
1: so frustrating, too, because you've got this sort of love triangle playing out, too. So you've got that in, into it, right? Because it, it, like, makes it hurt even more of, of a damsel in distress. Um, right. You know, because you have Ben and you have Bill, like, just, you know, both, like, you know, have major crushes on her. I believe in the book they all at some point have a crush on her. It's like... Um,
0: yeah, there's mentions that all of the boys at least have one moment where they sort of look at her and find her attractive just in that
1: way that boys would find it. Their only a yeah, friend 11-year-old attractive. 11-year-old
0: boy would find an 11 year old girl attractive because it's something new and it's something it there's hormones yeah. and, yeah.
1: Which you get in the movie, but it's like, it happens and then it's done and then she's just part of the group. Like, she's just their yes. friends and then all of a sudden she's not again. She's the girl in the group that they have to go save because Pennywise. And it sucks that it comes right after when she you know, like, beats her dad with the um, the, the cover the of toilet the toilet tank because it's like, oh my god, yes, I've been waiting for this the entire movie, like you know, heavily implied that he either has in the past assaulted her or has tried many times and she's yeah. aware of what it is and what he's doing. Um, you know, so you watch this kind of really skeevy interaction and she's trapped like literally because he locks her in the house when he finds out she's hanging with boys cause he's jealous and it's fucking weird. And she beats him in the face with the back of a toilet tank. And it's great. Cause you're like, fuck yes. like Good. And then Pennywise is immediately there to snatch her away. So it's like she had this great, you know, moment where she, she, Fought back of against her attacker, her abuser, and then she's immediately turned into a victim again, which kind of sucked.
0: Yeah, I'm what? Yeah, it was a good scare, though. It was when she turns around and he's right there. there. Yeah, Um, yeah. I did. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like the abduction. I didn't like her being used in that way as a plot device. What that meant for her character. Wasn't crazy about it. No. I also was not crazy about uh, the switch of uh, who is the researcher in the group, who the historian is. Mm-hmm. In the novel and in the mini-series, it's Mike. Mike's father in the novel has a hobby of uh, local, an interest in local history. Yeah. And Mike picks that up. Because Mike ends up being the only one to stay in Derry yeah. uh, after that summer, after that childhood. And so what that means, whenever whenever the other losers move away, slight spoiler for for the adult portion of things, they start to lose their memory. They don't remember what happened that summer. Mm -hmm. They don't remember anything about it. And they don't remember anything about each other. But Mike does. And he sort of becomes this guardian figure, this historian. And he compiles all of this research about everything he can find about the history of it and the terrible things that happen in Derry in this 30 year cycle going back and back and back. These horrible summers marked by, you know, usually some sort of tragedy in the beginning, then a string of murders and another terrible tragedy at the end of those murders. And then it sleeps. And he presents all this information to them when he summons his friends back and he reminds them of their promise. Right? So Mike's the guardian. We saw in the new movie that Ben has taken on this role.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ben did all the research and then it was Mike dropped off like one bit of information, I think, at the carnival. Yeah,
0: and it made me feel uncomfortable Yeah. because I, I don't know if they're changing it that Ben is going to be the one that stays and Mike is going to move away. Or if they are going to have it be Mike, in which case, why didn't you just have Mike yeah. be doing the research in the movie? But it made me feel a little weird that the one black kid lost that kind of agency and then he just sort of felt token
1: well and the other thing because I went to go see the movie with my friend who is black like she pointed out too she was like also the black kid is the one who is like obviously the poorest um at least from the Mm -hmm. way that they they portrayed it um you know because you you know he's uh, he works on a farm his family's a farm in all versions of it you know that's not the thing that changes but just like the way that it was presented where he you know does work on the farm and he's selling meat to the butcher and you know it's just very much like everyone else you see their homes you see their you know their family like yes they live like Bev in particular lives in a lower um, income yeah area because Bev is poor
0: and that gets brought up a yeah. lot in the book
1: which is you know fine and you know Mike's situation in the movie is different because he's an orphan yada yada but it's like
0: also, which he's also yeah, he's not, not in the book.
1: Yeah, that's another book. thing too. Why, why, why do that? Why take? There's actually a parents?
0: very important moment for his character development where he loses his father. Yeah. after the events of that childhood, like he's a couple years older, and his father yeah. dies of cancer, and it's an important moment for Mike as a character. So
1: it's yeah, and it's like annoying because they changed all these things around the only black character in the movie. Yeah. And they are things that were the I, only
0: female character.
1: And the only female character. So it's yeah. like. So I
0: was not a fan of those changes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not great stuff. Yeah. The only person who, like, everyone else remained intact. And the only person who I think remained, like, completely intact was um, Billy. Bill. Yeah. 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 Bill. B-b-b- and you don't really Bill. have a lot
0: of room to change too much about him. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but um, a couple of those minor things aside, I thought the movie was really strong.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh,
0: the third act, yeah, like, we brushed up against this, I think, is a little weak. And, and the confrontation down there, really, all you have to do is hit it with sticks and...
1: Somebody posted a thing about that on Tumblr where they were like doing the gifts, and they were like "Losers Club" in the movie or in the book, "Losers Club" in the TV series, and then it was "Losers Club" in the movie, and it was just like a bunch of people beating a piñata.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's very weird, and uh, I wish they had done more about sort of the metaphysical nature that surrounds it and that what it really takes to, to defeat this creature, which wasn't really touched on in the movie. So maybe they're not going to dig too much into that lore, that mythology. We got a glimpse of the deadlights,
1: but they weren't used this, the way that the deadlights are used. (laughs) Right. And there is, so
0: when there is this confrontation with it, both when they are children and, Later, when they're adults, there is more of a physical altercation. Mm -hmm. But when they're children, there isn't so much of a physical fight as there is this strange, almost sort of acid trippy metaphysical conflict that occurs. Because what it, as they learn, is, is a being from what it calls the macroverse or if you are up on your dark tower mythology, the toe darkness,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which exists outside of all creation. So it's this sort of terrible monster thing yeah, it's and
1: primordial thing.
0: Yeah. And the reason it can shape shift is because it has all this stuff to do with the human mind and how the human mind can perceive it's, we can't actually see its true form. Yeah, the closest we get is
1: a giant spider. It's the spider that's like the closest you can get to a human being able to like understand, comprehend what it is. Its true and, form. and
0: then there's there's a shape behind the shape, which is a dead the deadlights. and what do those mean? It's and interesting
1: because the deadlights were heavily influenced by Lovecraft.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it's basically like a Lovecraft monster. Yeah,
1: yeah which that's horrifying stuff which yeah no that's the thing it's totally a lovecraftian monster like the deadlights come straight out of lovecraftian mythology the idea of something sleeping for a period and then waking back up is very lovecraftian um you know the the macroverse and sort of the idea of the old ones um is kind of a similar concept you've got there uh, where the old ones sort of linger outside of our um perception that sort of thing so all this shit's interesting and i don't think we're gonna get to see it in the movies
0: yeah i'm not sure how much of that they're gonna get into in part two because it didn't it didn't touch on it all too much in in this movie which isn't necessarily a bad thing it was just something i noticed
1: yeah well yeah because you know people who know are gonna be like what the frick people who don't know are not going to care. Because they
0: are yeah. not <laughs> Right. They're just like, oh, it's and a clown and also su- change yeah. form.
1: A fucking clown is scary enough as it is, and they'll take that up. It, it, is. it absolutely and is. And which is why them.
0: it prefers the form of the Pennywise the Clown. And that is its most frequent uh, form when it's terrorizing and killing and, and other such things.
1: And other such things. Dancing.
0: Penny. The, the Dancing Clown. The
1: Dancing Clown. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so the miniseries. Because we talked a lot about the movie. We're kind of going out of order. But the miniseries. We're
0: kind of jumping around, yeah. Okay, so yeah, let's take a look at the miniseries. Um, It
1: was...
0: It's got Baby Seth Green in it. Stephen King contributed to the writing. It has Baby (laughs) Seth Green in it. It was directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who also directed Halloween 3, Season of the Witch.
1: (laughs) I knew that because you told me that last time we watched it. And I think I Uh had the same sort of... Yep.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Um blah, 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 blah. it stars Tim Curry as Pennywise. Ooh
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah 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 a Which, lot of other recognizable
1: sort of nineties if you uh, um actors in the cast. If you look in the scene where Richie is surrounded by the clowns, the clown farthest and to the, is, yeah, the left Penny. is the is Pennywise from the miniseries. Yeah. That so, was an awesome scene. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the new movie. Which set up later. Oh yeah, and that was the only time they used the beep beep Richie kind of tag line to his character, but Continue.
0: Which occurs so much in the book that, oh like, it's like it's like nails on a chalkboard. Like,
1: people say it for no reason. Like, you think, like, okay... All, yeah, it's all the fucking time. You think, like, it's one thing. Like, you think it's a form of, like, saying hi to Richie, and then later somebody uses it to tell Richie to shut up, and then later... It's like, God, Jesus, like, what does it... That's why you keep saying it because he doesn't know what it means. He's not getting whatever message you're trying to convey. Well, there's
0: literally when they're back in town and they're like vaguely remembering that they used to say it, but they don't remember why. And they are just kind of saying it for whatever. And I'm like, oh (laughs) my my God.
1: Just stop saying it. But uh,
0: he does. I've noticed that a lot with King in his books. He like picks a phrase that he really likes how it sounds and he'll he'll beat it to death.
1: Beep, beep. Yeah. Which the way they used it in the movie was very good because it was kind of, you know, it was like he was honking a clown's nose. He was like, beep, beep, Richie. And mm-hmm. I was like, used well. <laughs> used well. Uh, but continue. Tell us this cast. Sure. So, the yeah. Um,
0: uh, it stars Tim Curry. Uh, it stars Richard Thomas, John Ritter, Tim Reed. Tim Reed plays Mike, Dennis Christopher, Harry Anderson, Richard Masser, Annette O'Toole round out the main cast. These were all very big names in the nineties. Um, and the late eighties, which the miniseries was released in 1990. It shifts the story a little bit. So every, every, uh, Every version of the story shifts a little bit. So the novel the takes place in the summer of 1958 when they are kids. Mm-hmm. It takes place in 1985 when they are adults. The novel was published in 1986.
1: Probably because I imagine if we do the math, that will make 27 years <clears throat> roughly something like 2017, yeah. 2018.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The miniseries, they shift it for the kids portion forward two years so that it takes place in nineteen, the summer of 19, 1960 when they're adults, it takes place present day. So it's 1990, exactly when the miniseries was released. So they do an exact 30. Mm-hmm. And then the new movie set the the childhood portion in 1989. Presumably the, the adult portion will be in 2016, 2017, around there. Now. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you obviously you have to sacrifice certain cultural references versus if you're sacri- or if you're setting something in the late '50s versus
1: the yeah. late
0: '80s. But the whole point of the childhood portion is childhood itself. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I love the movie. I think it's totally a classic. Who didn't? I mean, if you saw it as a child, who didn't grow up being afraid of Tim Curry's Pennywise? Or just Tim Curry. <laughs> or Curry. No, I love Tim Curry. But that's because I also grew up watching him in Clue. So,
1: mm.
0: anywho, um, I yeah, so I saw I saw I saw the miniseries as a kid, the um, the George scene obviously very classic way to open and very heavy for a yeah. miniseries. even even then even the way they do it which is sort of tame compared to what we would see nowadays. Yeah. Good cast, strong cast. Uh,
1: he's he's obviously the standout. Uh, the thing that stands up for me in that movie is when Bill's older and a writer, and he has that ponytail that you don't notice at first. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're like, why? And you're like, why? And he like the problem is too, is that he he ties it back with a little leather strip. It isn't even like it's a normal pony like he has to be super aesthetic about it. Um which just adds to the to the mystery of Bill's ponytail.
0: <laughs> the mystery of the ponytail. I don't know that I want the answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the mini-series.
0: Uh Indeed. You obviously in a way they <laughs> could in a way they could do a lot more because it's longer. It was a miniseries. Mm-hmm. They it, it was aired in four parts. Uh, but on the other hand, they were restricted so much by television requirements. And yeah. and uh Where did it content where did it, uh, content it was on A B C okay had to be tamed. Yeah, it was it was A B C. And when you have the most detailed book essentially that Stephen King has ever written, that's going to be really tough to because Stephen King's details are usually very gory or very adult. But I think they it, it holds its own, and like it does it. The miniseries did a good job with the scares, even if they're scarier in the book.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the scene where Bev hears the voices in the sink is really creepy. Yeah, even now. Yeah, um, the the new movie sort of went for the gore angle with a shit ton of blood.
1: Yeah. Oh my god! What did he say? It looks like Eddie's mom's vagina on Halloween. <laughs> Something like that. They were so funny, and then they used it as a bonding moment when they cleaned up the blood in the in the bathroom. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's What's interesting though about the miniseries is that Pennywise is very, very different. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a
1: lot more comical in the sense that he's not as...
0: He's very comical, yeah. He's very very
1: campy. Very campy in
0: a way. And they also, in the miniseries, which I think sort of set the precedent for the movie, the movie did it, well, yeah, basically. So in the book, Pennywise really only, he appears as the clown here and there. Mm -hmm. And mostly the kids see him as... Uh, other monsters. They see him as Frankenstein. They see him as the teenage werewolf, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, he's the Paul Bunyan statue at one point. Because what Pennywise is and does is he's like the extreme bog art, right? Mm-hmm. He, he manifests into what the kids fear the most. And in 1958, a lot of kids fear, you know, monster movie characters. Yeah. So that worked. Not so much in the miniseries, probably just for budget, but they keep him as the clown pretty much the entire time.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, just and it that kind of suggests his presence with the balloon, too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When he's not so the I, clown. So I think it, it makes Patty or it as an entity more scary in the book. Because it changes form so quickly, but yeah. Pennywise the Clown is done better in the mini series versus the book because you've got Tim Curry doing it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, obviously, they had to skip out on a lot of stuff, both good and bad. Uh, we already mentioned how Henry doesn't get.
1: Yeah, his dead lighted.
0: Yeah. In, uh, in the miniseries, but that he, he is kept around for his role when they are adults. Uh, I think all the the child and the adult actors do a pretty good job, and none of the characters <coughs> are drastically different versus how they are on the page. Yeah. I think, particularly in the miniseries, uh, Ben and adult Ben and adult Richie are really, really good,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: especially having just reread the miniseries. Or reread the miniseries, reread the book. <laughs> I kept, I really, really pictured uh, John Ritter and uh, Harry Anderson for Ben and Richie when I was reading. I didn't really picture any of the other adult actors. Interesting. This time. Yeah, I know. Um, nice. Yeah. I like the miniseries. It holds a special place in my heart because it was my introduction to the story, obviously. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, like, watching it now, it's just kind of such a nostalgic, like, 90s Stephen King thing. Like, Ah. it is, like, total, like, cliche, like, stereotypical Stephen King um, adaptation. And that's a nice thing.
0: Which I think is great because so much of the story is about nostalgia, right? Yeah. You know, and... he, He captures so well in the novel the... The sad reality of how quickly we can forget our childhood Mm -hmm. and the feeling of childhood, and how easily those rose colored glasses come on sometimes when we think back to what life was like when we were kids.
1: And it's interesting because in the movie they kept pushing the point, um, We're kids, it's summer, we're kids, it's summer. Like they kept repeating Mm -hmm. that line until Bill was finally like, Okay, if you say it one more fucking time, I'm going to freak out. Um, But like that's the thing though, isn't it? It's like totally that's it like their summer is ruined because they're being chased around by like the literal embodiment of fear and anxiety. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, a a giant obvious metaphor. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Which, you know, and you do get in the mini series um, as well. It's just, obviously it's, you know, things that are different, but getting at the same point. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The same point. Yes. All the points.
1: Every point. Every point. Um, so we talked about Tim Curry as Pennywise. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. A very different Pennywise.
0: <laughs> I saw an awesome uh, comparison that I really, really liked. But, uh, the Tim Curry Pennywise is the Jack Nicholson Joker, mm. and the Bill Skarsgård Pennywise is the Heath Ledger Joker.
1: I have seen that comparison, and both,
0: yeah, awesome performances in their own right,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but different sort of avenues for the, those these classic yeah. characters. Right? And you get
1: that right <laughs> away. Well, uh-huh. Well, you get that right away because, you know, he appears in the subway and, like, when his eyes just pop up and you're like, oh, that's fucking scary. But, yeah. you know, when he's talking to Georgie, but there's that bit where he just kind of zones out and he's, like, and he's like drooling a little bit and he zones out and he, like, comes back and then he's like, oh, don't you want your, your boat, Georgie? And then it's like, you know, you see the fucking mouth come out. But it was, like, that bit where he just kind of stopped and stared into, like, the void and then came yes. back and was a different kind of... Had a different presence throughout the scene. I was like, oh, this guy's fucking scary. Great <laughs> moment. Yes. Yes. He is
0: a creepy son of a bitch yeah. in that movie. But he owns it. He totally owns the character. He does. Uh,
1: and uh, they're,
0: they're both great, right? They're both great. They both yeah. killed it. Um, and I think even Tim Curry... There was some sort of statement where he like gave his blessing to, to Bill Skarsgård's performance. Or he acknowledged it in some way that was mm-hmm. really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's getting Oscar buzz.
1: I would if I was somebody who had a say I in the buzzing. Say, yeah, if we could vote, I would Uh, I would buzz like a little bee. Yeah. No, he was incredibly, incredibly good. Um, the smile, and, the everything. Have you seen the thing
0: where, I don't know if he was on... Kimmel or Fallon or whoever but they were asking him how he did that very particular smile oh
1: yeah
0: and he talked about how he had to train his mouth for like weeks to get that effect yeah and there and then someone else made an article after that like if you want to smell like Pennywise here's how here's the
1: muscle structure you have to read muscles
0: you have to try and use and I I tried it just briefly reading through it's hard
1: yeah yeah, and he does it so effortlessly, he just kind of slides into it and slides into it. When he would slide out of that smile and just kind of have that, like, dead stare. Yeah. Ooh. Uh,
0: was the scene where, before, um, Henry does something.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, Oh yeah, my um, gotcha.
0: <laughs> And we see Pennywise on the TV.
1: Oh, my God, kill them, oh kill
0: them all and then the the kids are chanting and then pennywise is doing that dead stare thing and then he smiles no and And i'm like
1: i love that that was playing earlier in the movie and nobody acknowledged that it was like the sewers are a great place to play in the summer and you're just like what (sighs) there's
0: a lot of background stuff going on in the new movie yeah stuff like that that you can pick up on have you seen the things where people are pointing out when ben is in the library mm-hmm. you, can there's a, a you can see a a figure that's just standing there staring at him the whole time and then it's you know then the figure's gone but that's where the balloon is coming from um
1: speaking of things that are kind of you know easter eggy um one thing that the little easter eggs those that as well. The literal. The little...
0: not, I'm not going to think of Easter egg hunts the same way again, I'll tell you that.
1: Yes, the literal Easter eggs that come right after that scene, but also um, the two references to the turtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richie steps on one when they're swimming. Mm-hmm. And what's the other one? Remind me. Um, Bill goes into Georgie's room oh, and, and he has a Lego turtle that he carries around with him. And then, conveniently, when Pennywise arrives, it's shattered. So, Mo
0: brings up a a point from the novel that was not included in the miniseries, and that is sort of part of the larger Stephen King macroverse, right? It's this connection to the Dark Tower. That the turtle is a quasi-benevolent entity who is positioned as a cosmic opposite to it. They're enemies. There's a portion in the novel where one of the characters, I won't spoil just in case they do it, actually has a conversation with the turtle. And the turtle refers to it as his brother.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, they're, They're connected to the tower. The turtle is one of the guardians of the 12 beams of the dark tower. And it's basically a force for, for things good or positive. And the book implies that the turtle and possibly a third being that may have created both of them looks out for the children, looks out for the losers and protects them throughout that summer. And when they return as adults and that it's through the turtle that they're given the power to even confront it Mm -hmm. or sort of bring out their own power from within themselves to, to stop this creature. If you really want to get into it, it's through the, it's the turtle that bonds them as cotet.
1: That's a whole thing.
0: That's getting into all kinds of King nerd philosophy. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think the movie's gonna do anything with it. I think it was just a nice little shout-out that they were doing.
0: Yeah, and it, I think it was, because it's, having just read it, having it very fresh in my mind, the metaphysical stuff is very weird, and yeah. very would be very hard to convey, I think. So, uh, I, I think not including the turtle
1: is fine. The nod it was cute, though. Yeah, it was cute. Um... And it's enough that people who don't know might look it up, because it's kind of weird that a turtle is randomly brought up twice at very separate points in the movie. So it might convince some people to be like, what well, the hey, fuck is it, that about? But it is subtle, right? It's if you catch
0: it, you know? Yeah, yeah. the turtle...
1: Because the, when they're swimming,
0: yeah. it just sounds sort of like chatter.
1: Yeah, and then it's just interesting that later he happens to pick up like, a, tur- yeah. a Lego turtle in his brother yeah. that uh, you know shatters just before it shows up.
0: So we talked about Bill Skarsgård doing an amazing job. The kids.
1: Yeah. I they were exceptional. Finn Wolfhard. Oh, he
0: stole the show. Playing
1: a completely different character um, than when he was in Stranger Things and Mm -hmm. killing it.
0: Yeah. His one-liners were absolutely gold. Um, (laughs) My
1: sides were hurting after... I, I can't even remember the one exchange. Oh. I love the bits that they had in the background, like when they were trying to stitch up Ben the and they were just book. going back and forth as like yeah. Bev or Bill or whoever it was like walks out into the street to go look at something and you just hear them going like yep, they back just, and forth you know. about like septic shock or like what yeah.
0: have you. He has, I'm trying to remember, whatever his line is after the rock fight, it like had me crying and I cannot remember what he says.
1: But I want to go back to watch just to see his scenes again.
0: He was great. He was there. And a, a lot of uh Eddie had some good ones too. He
1: played really well off of Eddie.
0: He did. There's the one they're
1: in Eddie's house and and Richie is like, "Is that birth control
0: pills or something like in the cabinet?" And Eddie just instantly is like, "Yeah, I'm saving them for your sister." <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so natural to the banter between kids, friend groups, 11-year-old boys. It's very Goonies, right? It's yeah. very Stand By Me. Um, they all have their distinct personalities, their characteristics, their quips, their quirks, and it makes for really amazing chemistry because the kids are all just really, really good. Yeah. Um, and... I I love ensembles. I love ensembles with kids. Goonies is one of my favorite movies. So
1: yeah. And uh, um I thought the know. kid who played Eddie like had this great facial thing where literally his face looked like an adult's like the emotions that he would have and the like the kind of just faces he would make when people said things or he was about to say something was just it was literally like a, a adult human like comic actor like making faces like it was incredible
0: (laughs) he's very good and and they're also natural right and part of that is probably the direction Mm -hmm. you know of having them interact with each other and I know that they did a lot of bonding um off the set and these sorts of things but you you cared about them you like you like they're like, I know those kids, or like I, I was that kid, you know? And yeah. like me, I was like thinking back to like my summers as a kid. I grew up on a cul-de-sac. We had, you know cul-de-sac things. Cul-de-sac things. It was it was the suburbs. It was you know, not Derry Maine exactly, but <laughs> it was close. You, you it's it's a, it's the nostalgia thing, right? And they're such an important device to make that part of this story work. Mm-hmm. and convince you and remind you and i think they did a really good job. And you feel for all of them. I I cared about every single one of them. I yeah. feel like i knew them. Yeah. Not just because i read the book or saw the mini series, but i knew these versions, these portrayals of the characters. Um so, Richie was probably my favorite. I do think Finn Wolfhard steals the show. But Sophia Lillis, I think, is going to be someone to look out for because she has it's, an amazing screen presence.
1: She does. Um, and it's not just because she was surrounded by boys and she was the only girl. Um, it was very, very good. Um, and she's already, like, I was telling Craig before. Did I say before we started or did I say it when we started? She's playing a young Amy Adams in her next movie. Like, she's playing mm. the younger version of Amy Adams' character. And I was like, oh, my God, you're so right. <laughs> yeah, she's perfect for that. Um, so I think she's going to do, yeah, I think she's going to be good. Um, I think so too. Another thing
0: I, I thought of when you mentioned, um, you're talking about the banter and how Mm -hmm. well that Richie and Eddie play off of each other. Uh, I thought the movie did an amazing job of balancing comedy and horror. Mm -hmm. Putting comedy in your horror is a very, very, very hard thing to do. And it is a very fine line to walk. If you are not making a horror comedy. This is not a horror comedy, but it has great comedy. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. And it's and it makes it one of the funniest and one of the scariest movies, um, that I feel like I've seen in a long time. Which is impressive.
1: Yeah. And yeah. and
0: it still has heart. It's still a very charming movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because of that, like the very specific type of comedy where it's banter, it's all dialogue. It's these kids like busting each other's balls, like, constantly. Like, even in the midst of the fight, right? Like, my favorite line at the end when, um, spoilers, I guess, if you haven't seen it, I don't know. Um, Pennywise has Bill and he basically gives the other losers a chance to leave. He's like, You can go, I'm gonna keep your friend, but you can go and we'll all be chill. We'll pretend this never happened. And Richie steps up and he's listing all the reasons that he's pissed at Bill and all the things Bill has made him do this summer that like have just ruined his summer. And then he ends it and he's like, and now I'm going to have to kill this to fucking kill this clown. Fucking and clown. he pulls out a baseball bat from the pile of shit that Pennywise has collected and just whams him in the fucking head. <laughs> um, while the beating of the, you know, treating um, Pennywise like a pinata may not have totally like jived with how. Um, it it happened in the book. Like, that bit was incredible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was incredible. It was incredible. Even if, even if, uh, the fight didn't play out exactly as I would have wanted it to. But we talked about that, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because, again, it goes into, like, the the mythological bits of it and, like, the ritual they have to do to bind him. The ritual of Chud. And the turtle and the beams and... The turtle and the beams, and um, you know, sort of all of that fun stuff.
0: But you, and you know, what else was great? This movie did not rely on jump scares. No, which is so easy to do in twenty seventeen. Yeah, they primarily. It's not that there aren't, because there are. I mean, we already mentioned, you know, when Bev turns around, boom. But um primarily it's just by creating creepy imagery and yeah. um sinister atmosphere and then Bill Skarsgård doing like just his menacing sort of presence
1: yeah uh, yeah and that you know that face and the the dancing that he does when he he opens Yeah and he just just is like crazy dancing um yeah like obviously there were jump scares because there were bits where you turned around and you're like oh fuck there he is yeah, but like it they wasn't but they were well used. Yeah, it was used because it was like, oh fuck, there he is. Not like, oh, I'm gonna slam this door really loud or cut really fast and make you right. jump. Right, and then it, and then that was the end of it.
0: No, it yeah. was. If there was a jump scare, it led into something else, and that's how you use a jump scare. It's not that you can't use them; you just have to know how to use them. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, mad props to Andre Michetti, Andy Michetti. He goes by both. Uh, because this was only his second film. His first film was Mama, <laughs> which, uh, eh, I'm very 50-50 about Mama. But uh, I'm on board now with him.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in favor of it.
0: And and for a two-hour and 15-minute movie, I was never bored.
1: No, and I remember thinking to myself, too, I was like, I don't want this movie to end.
0: <laughs> no, I didn't either. i so much and fun. I, and I never felt like it dragged. I never felt like there was a down moment or a moment that we didn't need. Everything worked for me. I felt very engulfed from beginning to end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I... There, well, sorry, there goes my cat. He's going to go jump in the, the tub. He's, oh, Stevie's here? Yeah, well, he was. He's, he, he's got this new thing now where he gets in the tub in my bathroom because he's, like, just discovered it. Well, um, cats so love podcasting. we so a Oh, 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 there goes. Yeah, he's just going to get in there and just stay there for a while. Um, but yeah, no. Like, um, I was never bored in this movie. I was having a ton of fun. Like, the part we talked about last night, you and I personally, um, when they're in Ben's room mm-hmm. and Bev <laughs> cl- goes to close the door, and earlier in the movie- she I love that running joke. Yeah, so early in the movie, Be- when Bev meets Ben for the first time, he's listening to music on you know his like fucking eight track or what have you. It was the eighties, and she's like, "What are you listening to?" And she pulls it out, and she's like, "New Kids." And on he panics. <laughs> it was New Kids on the Block, and you know he panics because he's like, uh it's,", it's not, and you know like whatever. Later, they're in Ben's room and he's showing them all his research. She's just like milling about in the background and she goes and shuts his door and on the back of his door is this New Kids on the Block poster. And there's <laughs> this little interlude where they like mm-hmm. play like this, this chorus from New Kids on the Block and it like cuts to the poster cuts to her face smirking at him cuts to him looking at him, but he's like please <laughs> <And>
0: <laughs> because then- the other boys are turned around and they're looking at all of his uh his dairy sheet, yeah. stuff wall they don't see the poster
1: <laughs> and she just kind of quietly like opens the door back up and lets it be and lets it be but it was great
0: that was good and see that's a that's a nice change right that's a good funny change they couldn't have done that if they had stuck with the 1958 yeah, setting there was or nothing, the 1960s setting, you nothing know,
1: nothing analogous to that. So that was that was good. And,
0: and I mean, think about didn't you? Didn't you have that when you were a kid? And for whatever reason, there was some band,
1: yeah, that,
0: Backstreet Boys, that wasn't cool, but you really liked their music anyway. Backstreet Boys, yeah. Well, I guess they were kind of cool. Yes, they were kind of cool. For me, it was the 18s.
1: The 18s are... I only had a couple other songs. But, like, you feel that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but no, it's so that great. Happened? And her smirk is so great. As she just kind of, like, does not miss a beat in, like, opening the door back up and then just letting the um, the poster be. <laughs> that was great. That was, that was a nice...
0: That was a nice moment. Um, a lot of really well-executed scenes. Scary or otherwise. I just think of uh, when they go swimming. That's yeah. a really sort of beautiful scene yeah. when we see them sort of building that connection and that bond with each other.
1: Richie steps on the turtle. God damn it, Richie. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, yeah, obviously there are little bits and pieces of the movie that I wish were different um, for yes. one reason or another, but. But I was, think when it
0: gets right, it really gets right. Yeah,
1: and it gets the important things right as far as I can tell like there are stuff that kind of is important like they could be completely switching around Mike and Ben's character we don't know but like in terms of the overall theme of what the movie and the book and the miniseries like are trying to present it really does get that across very well
0: yeah I completely agree
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and I'm and, and I'm happy for lots of reasons you know I love the miniseries I love the novel I Want there to be good horror films in the world? <laughs> yeah, I'm happy on all all fronts now. Yeah, no, I'm curious to see. see oh, sorry, go ahead. Well,
1: I was like, now if I can only see the gunsling.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see about chapter two. Mm. Um, they haven't started filming. I don't even know if they have an official green light. Weirdly enough, yeah. Um, they planned. They've planned for it, you know, and, the, and the, the screenplays were written more or less together. And then I think they finessed this first one. Uh, but when, when a lot of people talk about the miniseries, they say that the first portion when they're children is much better. And that there are weaker moments when they're adults. Mm-hmm. And I'm not necessarily going to argue that. But I do think the story is harder to handle when they're adults. For a number of reasons, partially because it starts off with all of them separated. Mm. Uh, they don't live in Derry anymore, aside from Mike. They don't remember. So you have to do that that tricky thing where you're balancing seven different narratives in seven different locations. And they're going to have to catch us up on what they've been doing, what their lives are like now, and then reel them back in. And we have to... Yeah. Or maybe those maybe they'll scrap that in part 2. Maybe though they won't do the forgetting thing. Maybe everyone will remember. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll find out because that wasn't really I don't think it was touched upon that you that people forget because when Pennywise was offering them the deal and said like, "Oh, you can leave, you know, and I won't be back for 27 years." Like there was really no mention of the fact that like within that time you know, they wouldn't remember, you know, it wasn't like, "Oh, like, you know, I leave and you just won't remember a thing." And you know well, that, you well, no my point is though is that would have been a place for us to be introduced to that happening mm. later mm. that way it's not just a shock when we come back you know in a year or two years and these people suddenly like i don't fucking know what you're talking you know like they have no idea yeah. like in yeah. like you know there's no setup for it basically that doesn't mean they still yeah. can't do it and explain it to us as you know We go along, but, you know, and it's also kind of implied that there's an element of forgetting because, you know, why wouldn't the people in this town be like, what the fuck, every 27 years when a rash of people go missing?
0: Yeah, and there is a nice touch on that. Uh, They incorporate that in the miniseries, obviously expand on it a bit more in the novel, this sort of fog that lies over Derry, implied to be because of Pennywise's presence, where People turn a blind eye, not even just to the evil that stems from it, but to the other, the the human evil that might be heightened by its presence, but is still, but but still comes from the residents of the town itself. Uh, Things like Henry and his bullying, things like uh, Bev's abusive father, uh, these these sorts
1: of things so yeah i think it should be it'll be interesting um, uh have you given any thought to who would you would cast as the adult i'm not saying amy uh, adams interesting. As... <laughs> well
0: i uh i saw i read the uh, the other day who the kids want to play them Mm. Uh, I'm trying to remember who they said. Um, Sophia Lillis said she thinks Jessica Chastain should be Bev, oh adult Bev.
1: god, that would be incredible.
0: I think so too. Um, let me see if I can actually find that real quick. Maybe we can comment on that and then say who we would cast.
1: Yeah, you have, of... Do
0: you have people that you want to see as the adult losers? I don't know. Forever.
1: Like I've been thinking about it and trying to come up with ones um, that make sense.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I kind of i, I could see Jessica Chastain as Bev. I could one hundred percent see Jessica Chastain. Yeah, i should crush it.
0: Yeah, she would. My, I'm torn. Before, before I'm like gonna like commit to a dream cast. I like dream casting things. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Between wanting big name people and wanting no name, mm. or lesser known people, because I think if they're lesser known, they might be more believable. But yeah. I don't know. So Finn Wolfhard, who played Richie, thinks that the adult Richie should be played by Bill Hader. <laughs> Thoughts?
1: You know. <laughs> that's a take.
0: Um I don't think you're you don't sound like a fan <laughs> of that.
1: I could see it. I mean, it would be I I could see it. I'm very back and forth about Bill Hader, but that's like one of those things where it's like, are you going too far into the fact that Richie's like a funny comic type, right? Right.
0: Well, and then Richie grows up to be a, this comedian, this radio personality. And is it too, yeah, is it too on the nose? Yeah. Uh, Sophia Lillis, who plays Bev, we said, uh, thinks it should be Jessica Chastain. I'm on board with that. Chosen Mm. Jacobs, who plays Mike, thinks that adult Mike should be Chadwick Boseman. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Chadwick Boseman is a a Black Panther. Yes. He also played Jackie Robinson in 42. That's probably where a lot of people know him from.
1: Yeah. Um, I know him as the Black Panther, obviously.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jack Dylan Grazer, who played Eddie, thinks adult Eddie
1: should be Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, (laughs) Shut <laughs> up! No, absolutely not. Uh-huh. I know you love Jake Gyllenhaal. But no. I do love Jake Gyllenhaal. But the problem is, is and that he, does look, yes. he does look like he would be a younger version of Jake Gyllenhaal. I know! So I'm on board.
0: <laughs> I just want to see Jake Can you Gyllenhaal. Imagine if Jake Gyllenhaal well,
1: strolled want to see into this movie. It's summer. an aspirator. <laughs> I just think it would be funny because it's like. It's such a big name for a movie like that.
0: Yeah, I would never have it, but I like it a lot. (laughs) Uh, Wyatt Olaf, who plays Stan, thinks adult Stan should be Joseph (sighs) Gordon-Levitt. No. (laughs) But don't you see it? It's kind of the same thing. It is. You see it in the younger, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh Jeremy Ray Taylor who plays Ben thinks adult Ben should be Chris Pratt.
1: Okay, I was thinking the same thing <laughs> before yes. you said that. Yes. Because when you said did you have anyone I was like, well, Chris Pratt would be <laughs> I didn't want to like say anything. <laughs> you didn't want to be that person. Yeah. Trust your instincts. <laughs> no, Chris Pratt would be an amazing older Ben. I think so
0: too, and because listeners, if you if you don't know, you haven't seen the miniseries or read the book, Ben loses all of the weight. Yeah, when he's a he, teenager he gets hot as a as a bet with his high school gym coach, who who um, is a huge bully, and um, he sheds it all, and he becomes this very famous architect. Actually, all the losers become very very successful.
1: Yeah, Bev becomes a fashion designer. Bill becomes a writer. Um,
0: Eddie owns a a limo company. Catering to Hollywood celebrities. Richie becomes a famous comedian. Stan becomes very successful in business. I can't remember what exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, The only one who does not is Mike.
1: Does not leave. Stays in the town.
0: And um, they have a lot of theories in the book about why that happened. They think it's a reward for them from the turtle. But it's never explicitly made clear. But uh, anyway... Um, last on the list, and I do, I think Chris Pratt would be good, too. I think that would be (laughs) incredible. Uh, Jaden Lieberherr, who plays Bill, thinks adult Bill should be Christian Bale.
1: Okay, too much. (laughs) Too (laughs) much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think adult Bill is the toughest to cast.
1: Yeah, because it's like you're carrying the, um the story because it's like Bill's the closest thing we have to kind of like our our main protagonist. Right. Um So yeah, that would be that's that's, a tu- that's definitely one to to take a lot of uh time and effort on. Yeah. So did you have anybody on your mind other than Chris Pratt as Ben? Not really. I was trying to come up with people um mm-hmm. and I the problem is is like I'm not good at like Unless it jumps out at me, I'm not good at picking people to be like, oh my god, these two should play siblings, or like, related in some way, or this person should be the younger version of this person, yada yada, because I'm just not good at it. Um, The only time um, that I can remember desperately wanting something like that was um, Colin Morgan, who was Merlin on Merlin, looks exactly like Freddie Highmore, And at the time, Freddie Highmore was still baby Freddie Highmore, and I wanted that to somehow be a thing. I was like, you gotta use it while they're still. Yeah, while it can still work. Um, Yeah, like sometimes I'm like, holy shit, these people look alike, but I'm just not, yeah. Freddie Highmore, uh,. I feel like he still has baby face. They do he does, and they're trying to convince me that he's a doctor in this new thing. Yeah. He's, he's on, um,
0: is it an ABC or C B S or I don't know what, what it new is? Medical but he's, show.
1: he's a child. He cannot be a doctor. That man has not been to medical school.
0: He's doing that he's doing that classic thing, right, where like so he sort of leapfrogged to fame playing Norman Bates on Bates Motel. Yeah. Which he was very incredible at. And his next project, he's going as far away from a Norman Bates type character as he can. Yeah. So you know, he's playing a hero doctor with Asperger's or autism. Yeah, or I can't he's, he's autistic. Of their show. I don't care about their show, so whatever. But I'm like, ah, oh, you're trying to distance yourself from that because you don't want to get typecast. But you will. But you will. So. Yeah. So. so. Freddie? Well, no. Well, maybe I could see Freddie Highmore as an adult Bill.
1: Yeah, but not old enough. He's not old
0: enough. He's you know, like twenty five. Yeah. yeah,
1: he could be like Bill in college.
0: Yes, if they do,
1: because um, there are moments
0: in the books where we have flashes of them between, like you know, after their life after Dairy, mm-hmm. like uh, like Ben when he's in high school and the whole thing with the coach when he loses his weight. There's, there actually is. Moments of bit when Bill remembers his time in college before he uh, writes his novel and meets Audra and all this, all this shit. So, yeah,
1: nice. Yeah. So it 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 it, man. Uh, Verdict
0: was that it was very good. Verdict is that it's very good. I think it's destined to become a a horror classic yeah you know i think when we when we look at this decade right right horror fans love to look at things by the decade and oh what was the best
1: people are going to talk a lot about the babadook people are going to talk about it follows and i think people are going to talk about it so you see craig can see it you see the way this hoodie is hanging on my door yeah it looks like it is like a santa claus it's a flyer's hoodie um,
0: um, it looks red to me.
1: Oh well, yeah. Ap- Ap- um, In in the night, you know, when it's just the outline of it, like every time I see it, I assume I'm getting babadooked.
0: Like this is the moment.
1: Yeah. Um. Oh, speaking of the babadook, have you seen the thing where the internet
0: has decided that Pennywise is gay and he's in a relationship <laughs> with? <the internet? laughs>
1: That as a no. <laughs> Look it up.
0: There's all kinds of stuff about it.
1: That's incredible. Oh my God! I love this. Netflix has given us a gift by accidentally <laughs> shelving Babadook in its LGBT movies, and the internet ran with it. And now it just keeps—you know—it's crossed the finish line, and we're on to like the next part of the triathlon.
0: As <laughs> a wheel. The wheel
1: spins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the wheel of time. The wheel turns, and yeah. God. Wow. Uh huh.
0: I was like, and I only scratched the surface of it because I was like, (laughs) I cannot do this.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: That's incredible. Are you looking at stuff Yes! Yes! Yes!
1: (gasps) Own it. Embrace it. I bet you BuzzFeed has an article about this. They'll tell me all I need to know. Oh, God, they've got to. Wow. So, kids, um, if you take nothing else from this... I know... If you don't walk away with anything other than that, yep. The uh, first thing that came up was a Buzzfeed article. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People have decided Pennywise from It is gay and he's dating the Babadook. Just let it happen, all right? <laughs> <I> love it. <laughs> oh, man, oh wow. So yes, it was good. The miniseries is good. The book is good. It's all great. Um, it's
0: all great. Yes, yeah, I'm yeah. getting a lot of questions from people in
1: my life who
0: claim they don't like horror but always like want to know if they can handle scary things and I'm like well if you don't like horror why do you why are you having this debate with yourself
1: yeah
0: and I I try and tell them I'm the don't ask me because we all have a different threshold for what yeah
1: no, and that's interesting because I told some when I was telling people at work, they were like, "Oh, look, like, I've heard it's really scary, and then I've heard people say it's not scary at all." And I was like, "I literally don't even pay attention to horror reviews when it comes to that part because some people have said, you know, Blair Witch was the scariest thing they ever saw, and then other people are like, I walked out of it because it was so yeah, like stupid. I was bored. Yeah, so it's like it just depends on on you. Like I I take that not even with a grain of salt. I just don't take it. Period. I say send it back, and I want my check. Yeah, the check being the movie. The check me in the movie. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Right. Yeah, for me, I found the movie very creepy, very unsettling. I don't yeah. know that I was scared by it. But that yeah. did not make it a bad movie to me or an unsatisfying movie. I think it's a great movie. I think it's a great horror film. I'm gonna buy it as soon as I can.
1: But, well, and like that's the you know, thing, but too, like other
0: other people like i like i've heard stuff about people saying they had nightmares or, which know, i don't blame I them yeah but, you know
1: what i was saying to craig like you know as somebody who has read a bunch of king stuff and is like more than halfway through the dark tower series and like you know expose myself to virtually every genre of horror that you can you know for me it wasn't a horror movie so much as it was like a horror urban fantasy or like yeah there's a lot of fantastical like to me it was more about elements. it has been more about the fantasy of it right like it's not a horror movie where you know people move into a new house things go bump in the night like the closest you get to that scene is when bill gets woken up in the middle of the night um and goes into georgie's room and then goes into the cellar right like that's but the that's, closest you yeah. get to that stereotypical horror film haunted house type thing yeah
0: but that's also why i want to make sure we do talk about it as a horror film mm-hmm. because it shows you how different and varied horror can be. Yeah. And it doesn't have to just be this recycled, the door closed, you know, or there's a slasher running loose, you know, yeah. there's all <laughs> the kinds of closed? different, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. There's all kinds of different ways to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. And like, that's like the subgenre, right? Like it's horror fantasy. Like you can have horror fantasy. You can have horror slasher. You can have haunted houses. You can have whatever. Like this is like the, it to me has always been kind of like the pinnacle of horror fantasy. Like this is how you, you do that.
0: And I think the pinnacle of monster films.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Of creature features. It is a total, total creature feature. Yeah.
0: Because it's, it's all the monsters in one. It's it's fear.
1: Yeah.
0: As an enemy, as a monster.
1: Boba Duke and Pennywise be fucking Question Marx is <gasps> I do not want to see that. Twitter user at Adam with a U B driver nice. You're I see what you did there. I see that. Well done. <laughs> There's fan art. They look adorable. <laughs> God. Um they're out like walking together and Pennywise has a has a rainbow has a rainbow balloons. <gasps> he has every single uh... balloon. <laughs> oh, I love
0: this scene where after Eddie's being chased by the leper at the house on Nybald Street, and then he's at the fence and he turns around. Yeah. And it's Pennywise yeah. with like the inverted pyramid yeah. of
1: balloons. The like that's, Illuminati that's balloons. Awesome. Yeah, after he gets attacked by the leper. Which I love when they said, what was it for you? And he was like, it was a leper. Like, I would not have immediately thought, oh, it was a leper. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, it was just a scary fucking disease just thing. Scary, terrifying thing. He was like, yep, it was right. a leper, my greatest fear. Yep.
0: Oh, he's so funny when he's just like,
1: you know you can get this disease? You know, like that. <laughs> He just talks
0: about the different diseases that are
1: everywhere. Yeah, he made her comment about the AIDS epidemic, too. Like, when yeah. they're biking and he's talking about, like, that happening. Like, when they're going to get him, like, the gauze and stuff. He's like, there's an epidemic happening right now. Don't you know? He just is a mile a minute with it.
0: He's so good.
1: Oh, there's my cat. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. He's like, are you podcasting? Me, too. <laughs> Come here, buddy. Um, but yeah enjoyed it enjoyed it and enjoyed it
0: <laughs> enjoyed it and enjoyed it because 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 of the wonderful things it does uh,
1: this yes this person was like a Republican really came into my DMs because I shitposted a Pennywise, a Pennywise as an LGBT ally edit <laughs> That's incredible. I this love is, I can't This do is this. my new thing.
0: I cannot do this with you. This is far too much. I need to. Uh, I need to go take medicine and then mourn Harry Dean Stanton.
1: Yeah. Um, sure. But yeah. So wrapping <sighs> up here, then. Yeah. Um, I can give out the information if you have other opinions of the same opinion or what have you um, to talk. To speak with us, communicate. Um, That's my cat again. He sounds like he's dying. Um, uh, Gmail, splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. On Twitter, it is splatterchatter666 minus all the vowels. Or just, you know, look it up as normal if that's too much effort. Um, Instagram is splatterchatter666. Tumblr is splatterchatter.tumblr.com. Craig's blog is splatterchatter.blogspot.com. And I think I got them all. Oh, yes, I think you did. Speaking of the blog, mm-hmm.
0: I have a new project Ooh. that I am announcing in regards to the blog right here, right now. <laughs> this is exclusive. Yes. in it it's in an effort, you know, in regards to our rebranding for October, uh, which is on the way, guys. Get excited. Remember, newsletters, book clubs, and new logos and Patreons. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a series of posts on the blog, uh, between now and, uh, Halloween. I think I'm going to call like 31 by 31 and I'm going to try and post 31 movie reviews on the blog. Ooh, that's ambitious. Yes, it is ambitious. I'm trying to line up my you know, spook movie movie uh, uh, lineup for October. Normally, I try to watch 31 horror movies just in October itself. Mm-hmm. That's gotten really challenging in recent years, what with adulting. Yeah. So I'm giving myself half of September to do it. Some rewatches, obviously. A lot of classics. Going to try and watch some new stuff. And they're not going to be crazy long, you know, but... That's uh that's my thought. So be looking for those on the blog. And why I watched a very fun little movie to tonight called Girl House that is gonna be the first review. Ooh.
1: We'll
0: try and post that tomorrow. So Nice. Be on the lookout for that. Over I'm, on the blog.
1: I'm gonna look out for it. Good. You should.
0: Thank you. And in terms of uh future
1: Audio content to be on the
0: lookout. What do we have coming up, Miss
1: Mel? Um, we are going to do the first. We we've been saying this for a while. We're going to do the first of our um reading club. Oh my god, couldn't think. Yes. Um, book club uh, with Final Girls, and we right. already I think picked our second one, so we should really do that <laughs> so yeah. we can move on to the next one. Um, we're gonna bring on the the ever fabled Miss Colleen. Mm-hmm. um for a video game possibly a video game booze and booze we don't we're not sure yet um we're depends sure. could be that um could be a little bit of both um, and we also have some other guests that we're going to bring on we have actual guests in the midst of still trying to nail down a date for that one um but it is um someone of of a scarehouse affiliation uh you have heard us mention scare house many times so that would be exciting um and we could even do her book as a as a book club thing too at some point so maybe we have all three books now for the book club so oh we god we really start it um but yeah so we've got some good stuff coming up oh and we we, maybe we'll do mother if we enjoy if we both enjoy mother tomorrow enough to talk about it i'm not sure how horror oh, yeah. it is um
0: I've we'll heard people about say
1: horror. it's different things. Sick. Some people say it's horror. Some people say it's thriller. Some people say it's like domestic drama. Like, I don't know.
0: Well, there was a big debate with Black Swan, too.
1: Because
0: yeah. he called it horror. And then everyone was like,
1: is it? And some people were like, yes.
0: And some people were like, no. So, um, yeah. Excellent, uh, excellent stuff. There was something else I was going to say. And I can't think of it to save my life oh there is a friday the 13th in october there is still a little bit of ways away but uh, we will be doing the second installment of our friday the 13th series we don't really have a name for it we'll be reviewing friday the 13th yeah. part two, yeah basically
1: yeah, we have we have our long our longstanding tradition since last Friday the Thirteenth
0: since <laughs> the one the one time we, of we reviewing
1: it. a um Friday the Thirteenth movie every time there's a Friday the Thirteenth. So yeah,
0: this will really cement us and commit us to this project once we do part two. Yes. I feel
1: now it's a series.
0: Now it's now it's rolling. So
1: all right, anything else? Oh well, no! I think the the good of the group has been uh,
0: gooded. Gooded. Oh, good? see, now that the podcast is ending, we have to keep saying good again. Yeah. God damn. Just like how I couldn't stop. it's good. Everything is good. We are good. You guys are good. Until next time, be sure to keep up the creep, and we will say for now, au revoir, adios, and das